ready to talk hockey. Streaming from the Oilers Live Studio. Subscribe or follow today. Hey, 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 it's Michael here for another edition of Oilers Live Tuesday nights. Tonight it's post-game Philadelphia Flyers 3-0 shutout win for our favorite goalie, Mr. Koskinen. The uh, probably the best goaltender signing we've made in the past four or five years. Uh, all right, we've got as our guest somebody we haven't seen in a very, very, very long time, Mr. Sean Patrick Ryan, formerly the Oil Knight on Twitter. Welcome back, Sean. How are you doing? Hey, Mike. Thanks for having me. I'm doing great. Good. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, you got to be happy. I, I think you're still an Oilers fan, judging by the background. Uh, <laughs> You know, it's been a long time. Happy to uh, see you. Lots of people are excited that you're uh, on the show today, and hopefully we get some uh, interaction online. Uh, first, where have you been? Been around. Been around. <laughs> I haven't uh, I haven't tore down my other stuff just yet. Uh, I, I kind of took a step away from hockey for a bit, and I, I feel good about it. I'm starting to slowly. Now the baseball season's over and football season's over. Well baseball season who knows what's going to happen there now but. yeah it could be over for a while yeah oh man yeah. but uh yeah i just kind of needed a step away i think just from from online in general it was a lot of work i was doing a lot of pro bono stuff as you know and it got a little exhausting and then i'll probably touch on it a little bit as we go but there's other things that just kind of annoyed me about the nhl and the oilers in particular so instead of being a toxic fan and just being constantly negative and just adding to that part of Twitter, I kind of felt like it would be best to maybe just step away for a bit and, you know, just let everybody else kind of duke it out for a while. Well, you know what? It's, it's changed drastically. I mean, everybody's really positive now and, and uh, oh, I'm sure. yeah, yeah, no yeah. Oilers fans are, we're, <laughs> uh, we're a happy bunch and everything's going great. No, I, you know what? I get it. I get it. There are, I do have days where I feel like that. And, uh, of course, mm-hmm. you know, the work and, and that that you do to put out podcasts and analyze games and do all those things. Uh, well, I mean, as, as you know, and I know all too well, it, it doesn't pay at all. <laughs> and so it's, you know, it's, yeah. it's time consuming and can, uh, really take out a lot of your day. Uh, but we're happy to have you back, and um, you know I've got lots of questions um, about. I know you're a big o- OHL guy, and and so we're going to have some questions about Tulio and and Petrov probably, and we're going to try sure. to fit all this into an hour if we can. If we have to go just a little bit over, if you have time, uh, I'll let you tell me when. But um, let's uh, let's first talk Oilers game tonight. I've got my thoughts on the game, but let's hear your thoughts. I haven't heard heard them in a long time and love to hear your thoughts on the game tonight well first of all i should be honest that um the first part of the season i didn't even really watch the games i bet you i watched two or three games in the first 15 or so yeah i'm kind of a perfectionist especially with my blog and all that i mean i'm usually all or nothing yeah so when i decided to kind of take a step away i really took a step away i just stopped watching i stopped writing about it, stop worrying about the prospects, all that stuff. Um, I still follow the OHL because that's kind of my, my baby. And, uh, but yeah, once Tippett got fired, then I said, okay, now maybe I'll kind of tune in again and see how Woodcroft is going to do. Cause I was never a big 
Dave Tippett fan, as you know, I was calling for his head for like two years at least. Yep. I'm so glad. I'm so glad he got fired. Maybe we can talk about that later too. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that but, for sure. But yeah, I mean, so watching the game tonight, I uh, well, first of all, my dad's a Flyers fan. He was, he's just absolutely disgusted with the Flyers. They're just, you could tell even tonight they were just so sloppy. Uh, taking just undisciplined penalties and really just giving the Oilers plenty of opportunities that they didn't necessarily earn. Um, but I think the uh, it, I think one of the issues with the Oilers in the past was they always struggled against garbage teams. Like we saw them play really well against Florida and Tampa and in Carolina. So then the question is, well, how are they going to follow that up against you know a bottom dweller? Usually that's when they struggle, right? But I think they did a good job for the most part. Um, it's tough when you take a power play right early in the game or you get a power play in the game. Sometimes it kind of throws you out of your rhythm yep. and they looked kind of stale there. And I think that kind of affected them for a bit, but Koskinen was outstanding. Um, you know, he's been good for a while and I really like, um, I mean, I like the, I like what Hyman really brings to the, t- to the team. And I thought he was, I thought he was excellent tonight. He's, um, I know they're missing Nuge and they're missing Pugliarvi, but he kind of brings a bit of that grit that I wish guys like Pugliarvi and Hopkins would have a little bit more. And he seems to have good chemistry with, with McDavid and Dreisaitl and that. So I, I kind of felt like he, he makes a real difference, and I think he's going to make a difference in the, in the playoffs as well. That's one thing I noticed. Um, and I thought, I thought Bouchard was pretty good for the most part. I know he struggled a little bit recently, and people are starting to get on him. But uh, yeah, I, I thought he he played he played pretty well. But overall, I th- I think it was I mean it was a good game. It's a game they were expected to win. Yeah, technically, but we know we both know that that's with the orders. There's never any game you can expect them to win. So overall, I, I think it was a good team when they played well. They played uh, pretty good defensively, but again, Koskinen kind of stole the show. Yeah, I th- you know so yeah. Here's my thoughts on the game because I a lot of what you said I agree with. Um. I thought the Oilers played well. I mean, I thought they played well enough to beat Philadelphia, but the game they played tonight, they would have got destroyed in Carolina or Florida or Tampa, I thought. Yeah. Like, you know, I mean, you know, I feel for your dad as a Flyers fan because to see some of those missed opportunities that the Flyers had tonight, like they had some, they had, (laughs) I mean, yeah, that's what you, that's the definition of high danger. Like, almost happens almost happens that they were missing like i just don't know mm-hmm. you know to me that's a confidence thing i i mean there's the the players that are missing those tap-ins or any other time in their career they're they're putting those in right yeah. you know and and so you know m- we're coming down to the wire for that team in terms of trade deadline and you know it's going to be a different different team and whatever 20 days or whatever it is uh, 21 days yeah so so i could see that i could see that it, it's just that i you know they got to have a better effort um you know in chicago i think like I, I i felt the oilers did well enough just to win tonight like that you know against a, a team that is struggling and and uh and missed some good opportunities i but look hey you know one thing that i've loved uh and this seems to be the case since Woodcroft came in is McDavid is still just flying. Like he's, he's given, this is the best 
I've seen him all year this sort of stretch of 10 games. Yeah. Like he, um, you know, and, and I don't even, I don't, and I, I, I always think this sometimes, like when I watch him, he, we've got 10 games and he's getting, you know, a couple points a game or, or whichever. Um, but it feels like he's in a slump. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like he yeah. could have scored four today, right? Like, you know, he had that one where he drove down, sort of, uh, took his shot and then got the, got the rebound. You know, one of those, one of these nights he's going to connect for four or six points here soon. You know, it could be Chicago, who knows, but he's just, he's outstanding. I thought, uh, Dreisaitl, like I'm noticing, uh, I mean, everybody notices the giveaways he does, but he's got to, um, I, I was hoping that maybe Woodcroft would kind of help with that a little bit, but it just hasn't seemed to happen. I, you know, a couple times tonight he gave the puck away, uh, you oh. know, at inopportune times. Um, but I love, I love Dreisaitl. Like it's hard to, hard to get too upset with, with that guy. Nice that he gets on the, on the goal scoring, uh, piece. And then, um, what'd you think of Bouchard and Keith together? Um, I didn't see Keith out there a lot, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, again, I'm not a, I'm not, a hundred percent bought into everything. So I'm more of a cat. I'm casually watching. I'm not as analytical yeah, yeah. as I was before. Um, I didn't notice Keith a lot. Maybe that was just me not really paying attention, but I, wa- I want to say something about um, one thing that has become quite apparent to me, just again, just kind of stepping back and, and, you know, looking at everything objectively, I really feel like, and I understand that dry kind of has, you know, the giveaways at times and that, but the more I think about it and the more I watch him and McDavid and, you know, and Matthews and that, I mean, I honestly feel like, and I'm not just blowing smoke here. Yeah. I, I honestly feel like Dreisaitl is the best player in the league. I think he's better than McDavid. McDavid is the most explosive player. He just attacks you with speed and his stick handling yeah. is unbelievable. Um, but in terms of, you know, who's the better passer, who has the better... Who's the better shot? Is the better shot? Is the better goal scorer? I think that's kind of where McDavid struggles a little bit with the shot. Like that goal that Dreisaitl scored tonight, he just just walks in from the blue line and just casually rips it top corner, right? Yeah. Like it's nothing. Um, made it look so easy, and just it it's it's funny to me how you know when he first came into the league, how he went from more of a playmaker and he turned into a fifty goal scorer. He kind of morphed into that type of player. And now he's really a complete dominant two way center, right? Um, if, well, and he's have- and he legitimately makes the guys around him better, right? Like there's, exactly. There's yeah. no out of those three players. I mean, I mean, Matthews hasn't had the opportunity, right? Like he's just always played with good players. Yeah. But Drysaitel, it doesn't matter which line you put him on, chances will happen, right? Yeah, I you got right. no argument for me. I think he's the giveaways do I struggle with those, but but I I'm, I I think it's a fair argument. Well, I, I mean Michael Jordan missed 50% of the shots he 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 took, right? And yeah, he was yeah. still the greatest of all time. Kind of the same idea, but I I just kind of think about like just just like look at McDavid and look at all the natural natural ability he has. Mm-hmm. How easy how easy it is for him to just get his own entry and just skate and and do the stick killing. But for Dreisaitl, it's so much harder. He's not nearly as gifted athletically as McDavid, so he's got to push himself 
that much more to get up to that level and to stay at that level. And the fact that he's done put up the numbers basically the same as McDavid over the last four years. The fact that he's been able to do that consistently, despite being, you know, half the athlete or has the half the natural ability as as McDavid does, I think is you have to take that into consideration. And like I said, he I mean, I think he's I think he's great defensively for the most part when he wants to be. He has his his lulls where he starts to tire. And I think a lot of that had to do with Tippett too. How yeah, utilization, kind of, right? Utilization. utilization. Yep. Exactly. 100%. Right. Um, but I think, I mean, if you just look at their overall playoff stats, Dreisaitl's the better, more productive player in the playoffs so far. Yep. To me, that kind of matters. Um, yeah, I just think overall, if if I were to take one player, and I know it sounds insane, but I mean, I just, I, I appreciate his game so much. Just the overall, the face-offs, the defense, like some of those, what was it? I saw there um, a couple weeks ago, he made that cross ice backhand pass to McDavid. Assist. Was it to McDavid or yeah, to Kane? McDavid. I can't remember. Yeah. It was yeah, just I know unbelievable. unbelievable. And I don't think McDavid can do that. And when and Dry Settle came, that goal he scored tonight, he just walked in from the blue line and just ripped it top four. McDavid can't do that. McDavid gets by on his on his natural ability. And don't get me wrong, I'm not knocking McDavid. Yeah, as far yeah. as I'm no, concerned, I, I get that. He's the second best player in the NHL by far. I think those two combined are amazing. I just I feel like Warriors fans don't necessarily give Dreisaitl enough credit um, as or consideration. I think I saw somebody today when I was from my burner Twitter Twitter account. Somebody <laughs> did. It's not it's not hockey related, but people do retweet things sometimes. Um, somebody was comparing Matthews to McDavid or Matthews to Dreisaitl. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. You got to be kidding me! Like Dry Side was clearly the better player. But. So I, you know, it was uh, it was only a few days back. Funny, we should have this conversation. I put out a a series of tweets about like in and you and I had this conversation back when Mc, when Drysaddle scored fifty goals and just about won the Rocket Richard against yep. one of the greatest goal scorers of all time, right, Ovechkin. Yeah, and uh, and I thought that he was the least lauded. 50 goal scorer ever. I thought that like the following year it was like Dreisaitl still never existed as a 50 goal scorer. Like people just still weren't talking about him. And I don't think people talk about how great a goal scorer he is. And you could, and, and, you know, when I bring that up, people, you know, will often get on me and say, well, you're just being, you know, this Oilers fan, boo hoo. We're not talking about Dreisaitl, but it's legit. Because everybody wants mm-hmm. to say, talk about Matthews or Ovechkin or whatever, they uh, completely bypass. Or you know, if the Oilers are coming to town, it's McDavid's coming to town. Here's a guy. Here's the stats. He's had four straight thirty-plus goal campaigns, six straight twenty-plus goal campaigns. One of those is uh, he's one of five fifty-goal scorers this decade. He's consistently in the past uh, four or five years been in the top three scorers. Uh, in the or sorry, last four seasons, he's third in total goals for the past five seasons, and then add in the fact, right? So all of that, uh-huh. you take all those guys that scored as many goals as him over the past five seasons, and he has a hundred more points than them in that time. Yeah. So he's not just a goal scorer, right? Like he is, and he plays the PK. Yeah, right? and he plays the power play, so he's a special teams master. 
Uh-huh. The guy, like the guy, picks more pucks out of the air than anybody I've ever seen in my <laughs> life. Like I, you know, every time a puck flies by me in hockey, I always think I'm going to try to do the dry sidle and pick it out of the air, and I never, you know, one one out of a hundred. But he's like almost fifty percent. Like you got to be damn good to like feather a pass by him. In yep. fact, the other night he turned. He turned to the like this. Yeah, yeah, and stopped. Yeah, I saw that. He wasn't even looking and he hit it like that. Yeah. Like I I mean, I've never seen anything like it. Uh yeah. and yet, you know, and yet it feels like we're still arguing about whether or not he's he's meant to be in the top five. I mean, for sure, people are starting to notice. I st- but I I just still don't think he gets the credit he deserves, given the fact that he's you know, when, when people will say, Well, he plays with McDavid. Okay, when he won the Hart Trophy, McDavid was on the lineup, right? Like yeah. he totally yeah. he resurrected Yamo's career, right? Uh-huh. Like he, yeah. uh, you know. Um, anyway, uh, you got no argument from me. The the giveaways do kind of annoy me, but you know what? I mean, that's just a fan being a fan, and you watch any giveaway is going to drive you nuts. Um, well, Eric Carlson was awful for giveaways. Yeah. And look how many points Eric Carlson put up, right? He was the best defenseman offensively for years there. Um, yeah, but I mean, yeah, just to finish that point, you could you could argue too that Drysaddle is the least athletic out of all those guys too. Matthews has a, a bit a, a better shot. McDavid has more speed, you know, but somehow he still manages to be right on par with them or ahead of all those guys. And it's just through sheer determination hard work and his hockey IQ. And I think if you put the total package together and you just evaluate every single skill in, in a hockey game, it's, yeah, he, he would be number one for me. Yeah. But I love McDavid. As you can see, both jerseys are hanging right there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. you know, it's, it's an academic discussion, right? And, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. I mean, he's, but he is, uh, I just think it's hard to, it's hard to say this um, with a straight face, but I think, Dry settles somewhat over underrated, rather, right? Yeah, like still, I agree. Still, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I suspect guys that play on the team with him wouldn't say that at all. Anyway, uh, we're not here to talk about dry all night. Um, your guy Bouchard. <laughs> uh, you know, I want to talk a bit about him. I, I know you haven't been watching all year. I, I think he's had some really solid goes, um, throughout the year. Uh, he's had, uh, a stretch of, uh, of bad, you know, bad games, but I think that's, he's a young defenseman. I mean, you look at Kale McCarr, uh, he didn't come into the league till what, four or five years. Um, you know, he played, went and played college and then what he was, um, probably eligible four years prior, right? Before he came in. How old was he when he, 22, uh, 23? Yeah, I'd have to check. I'd- but, you know, I mean, not, not to... I'm not, uh, before anybody jumps on me, I'm not comparing Bouchard to Kale McCarr because uh, mm-hmm. McCarr is definitely, um, you know, he's a special player. And Bouchard's a special player. How yeah. how good do you think this Manson-Woodcroft thing is for a guy like Bouchard? I mean, you've watched Bouchard. You watched him grow up in junior. Yep. You've seen some pretty amazing things. I, I, I'll always remember, though, he wasn't your pick uh, that that year uh, when the Oilers yeah. took him, you wanted, I think it was Buckfist, if I'm not right. No, Dobson. Dobson, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Who's a hell of a player too, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. In fact, there are a lot of good defensemen in that draft here, if I recall. Yeah. Um, 
like what's what's your thought on him as he as he progressed uh i mean obviously you haven't been watching necessarily all year but from what you've yeah. seen as he progressed the way you've expected um do you think uh like anything you could say uh, how do you feel about this woodcroft sort of manson thing and and where i'm going with this is the other night he had probably one of the worst nights i've ever seen him play it was in um in florida right yeah I mean, he must have given the puck away six times, half dozen times, in yeah. some really sort of awful. Like if if Koskinen hadn't had one of his best games of the season, uh, Bouchard would have been. Uh, they would have been burning pictures of him in the streets of Edmonton, I'm sure. Um, but Matson kept putting him out there, and uh, you I know like what? That. I didn't mind that at all, right? I mean, like part of me is like, man, like I'm a little bit scared, but at the same time. That is not a Tippett style, and we both agree on Tippett. But I really like that's where I'm going with this. I mean, how do you feel about yeah. this Woodcroft sort of Matson thing and and uh, Bouchard's development so far? Okay, so I think um, like the struggles he has right now. I mean, aren't aren't a big surprise. Um, if you recall, when he was drafted, I did write an article there for the Cult about patience is needed with him, and I I kind of highlighted the defense was was an issue and probably going to be an issue when he gets in the NHL. He is more of an offensive defenseman, right? Again, I referenced Eric Carlson earlier. Eric Carlson gave away the puck so many times his entire career. They were just bonehead plays, right? But you're, you're willing to overlook that if the offense is there. And I think eventually he'll kind of get there. Um, I felt like at one point he had, I saw somebody mention something about he had nine goals and the rest of the entire defensive core only had eight combined. So he had a good start to the season. Yep. Um, I kind of feel like when Woodcroft took over, and that's when I really started to kind of, you know, focus on on him and and the team a little bit more. Uh, he he did kind of seem to struggle. I think obviously there were some some system things that changed, and um, for whatever reason, he just he kind of struggled a little bit with that. Maybe he was overthinking and and it was affecting his decision making. Um. But again, I, I, I kind of think back, like ultimately the comp I had in his, in his draft year was John Carlson. And I remember John Carlson for years, yeah. he struggled defensively. He would put up points offensively, but he, he still continued to give the puck away a lot. Another former London Knight. Um, so I, I kind of see the similar path with him. I'm not too concerned, um, especially under Manson and Woodcroft. One of the biggest pet peeves I have in hockey and one of the biggest knocks I had on, on, Dave, on Dave Tippett is he really, really limited growth for his young players, and he really punished them whenever they made a mistake. Tyson Berry could go out and give the puck away 10 times a night. It didn't make a difference. Chris Russell could do whatever. It didn't really make a difference. But Bouchard is playing on his off, on his, his the left side. He hasn't done that since junior, and he rarely did it in junior. He makes a couple mistakes in one Leafs game, and he's benched for three months. Shit like that just pissed me right off. Um, and that doesn't help the player at all. And I think if he would have played, if the coach would have had some confidence in him and gone back to him, like they did the same thing with Sam Rukov. He had an awful game and good luck. You're probably never going to see him the rest of the year too. Right. And, and that you can destroy a young player's confidence right then and there. And and I feel like Tippett did the same shit to with Ethan bear and and Caleb Jones too. hundred percent. Yep. hundred percent. Look how, how Nima Linen and Ligason are playing, um, how they're playing under under Woodcroft. Well, Jones and Bear were better than they were in the AHL. 
So just imagine they were still on the team with this coaching staff. How different would that have played out, right? Um, so as far as Bouchard goes, there's going to be growing pains. Again, he's he's never going to be, as you, everyone can probably tell by now, he's never going to be real physical. He's just not a guy that's, you know, he's not big on clearing guys in front of the net. He's more of a stick checker. You you just kind of have to live with a guy like that, an offensive player like that. I, I still wish they'd give him more offensive opportunities last year so he could kind of just start the season as the power play specialist, PP1, and and have that experience from last year. And it would be a much easier transition. Um, they've kind of bounced him around back and forth. And I think he's he's uh, he's kind of struggled a little bit with that. But ultimately, I think he'll get there. He's a smart enough player. He gets it. He still makes a lot of poised plays. Um, you know, the the Boosh bomb, I think he needs to work on his accuracy a little bit. Yeah. Maybe because it is getting blocked a lot. So that's an adjustment you'll have to make. But ultimately, yeah, I think he I think he'll be fine. Fans have to be patient. I've heard some Justin Schultz or Jolts comments now. They're starting to come in. I'm seeing that. I really hope it doesn't get to that point. People don't jump all over him. You should learn by now that, you know, trying to run a guy, a young defenseman out of town because they make mistakes, especially an offensive defenseman. Um, it's just not a good idea. These guys take time. Uh, and one last thing I just wanted to mention is Barry Trotz played Noah Dobson as what? 19, he played 18, he was 18 or 19. And uh, he played him limited, limited minutes. He would give him minutes. He would make mistakes. He would still kind of go back to him. Then if it, it got a little bit too overwhelming, he would, he would dial it back a bit with his ice time, but he didn't bench him. He didn't bench him for, you know, a couple of games or weeks or months. He would go right back to his guy. And, and he's been with the team for a couple of years now. And, and the coaching staff just slowly gives him what he can handle. And if not, they dial it back and then they just keep going. Yeah. And I know Bouchard had some opportunities on the power play and they took him off. That's really how you should be dealing with the young player. There's going to be ebbs and flows, you, especially defensemen. You got to be patient. But Bouchard has the talent. He has the IQ. He'll get there, but he's never going to be great defensively. So you're just going to have to kind of take a bit of the bad with the good. Yeah. I mean, he's a half point a game player right now. <laughs> Right. Yeah. In, in what is his rookie year. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, this is, uh, this is not too bad. I mean, you can't, um, he, he is our top, uh, point getter in, in terms of defense this year. And, and, um, you know, and he, you're right. He's made, he's made some mistakes. I think, yeah, you need that patience. I really, as I said, while, you know, it made me cringe a little bit <laughs> in that Florida game, I was oh. happy to see. I watched for it. As soon as he made a couple big mistakes, that's what I was watching for. Uh, Tippett would have benched him. Yeah, well, yeah, he would have been he would have been off. And yeah. um, and I, you know, I and I've talked about this on the show a couple of times. I there's a thing that I um, you know, that I felt like with the Tippett era, you got guys like uh, Samarukov who'd come in, you know, who have potential to be an NHLer, right? Yeah. Uh, you come in, you and his utilization that game was against what was the top line in the league at the time. Like that was who he, who he went out. He played two, three shifts against the top line in the league. Wasn't he partnered with Bouchard at one point? Yeah. He, and he was partnered with Bouchard. And like, so, what, what so you, yeah, he's going to get run, right? Like <sighs> that's his first ever NHL game. He's going to get run. And then he goes and he, he goes out there and he, um, 
you know, then he gets sat for the rest of the game. And so the the way I feel about this is the guy, you, I mean, guys talk, right? Mm-hmm. Samarukov doesn't go back to Bakersfield and tell everybody how much he loved playing with, uh, with Tippett and Playfair. Right. And, <laughs> you know, yeah. like he, that's not, that's not what happens. Right. Like that's, yeah. that's how, so he goes back and who does he talk to? He sits on the bench with Legison. You think Legison yeah. loved uh, Tippett? No, right? No. And so these guys, they start talking about that. And then when they come up from the Baker, from Bakersfield to, to play a game, I mean, they're already thinking about, they're already gripping the stick a little extra tight, right? Whereas, mm-hmm. you know, you got guys like Woodcroft and Manson come in, and I think that they're, you know, they're liked. They're, they're still the coach, right? Guys know, you, you know, you, only, you still only get so much rope, right? Mm-hmm. But at least they know, you know, they've got the you know, they can make a mistake and, and get a chance to come back from it. I mean, how many times you watched a game and, and, uh, you know, the color guy who's played NHL says, uh, I really like what, you know, coach Trotz is doing here, you know, bringing Bouchard out again or whoever Dobson out again after he Uh made that mistake, right? Like giving them the chance to make it right. That's what, that's what a good coach does. Right. And that, you know, and then, for sure. and it, and of course, if you know, you only get so much leash in the NHL. I mean, obviously if you know, you get that, you get that ability to make the first couple mistakes and, and if you make too many, then you'll be, you'll be sent down. That goes without saying, but I, I do like the way this, um, this team is coached. What did you think about the, um, about Woodcroft being the guy? Um, I mean, I don't think they had much choice <laughs> at this point, but, but right, yeah. Well, one so one thing that I've been kind of I can't get out of my out of my head. I, I it just it kind of feels like, and I'm to be clear, I am not a Ken Holland fan at all either. Um, another part of the reason why I I kind of left Twitter, it was a combination of things. Obviously, the the Kyle Beach thing would just disgusted me in Chicago. Never owned up to that, and then. Um, when in the OHL, when that Logan Malou had all those issues and he said he didn't want to be in the draft and the Montreal ended up taking him in the first round anyways, I thought that was disgusting. That should have never happened. And then, of course, Tippett just shows no confidence in Barry, makes a mistake. He sits him for most of the game. Then he throws him out and then he he's racing off the bench and then we give up the game-winning goal. Tyson Barry's trying to get back or needed a break. And then there's racist comments towards Ethan Bear, so he gets traded. Like I, All that stuff just... just yeah. Pile completely on. disgusted me. I, I think the entire, I feel, I feel like the whole thing had to be blown up. Uh, the coaching staff, which they did, but Ken Holland definitely needs to go as well, in my, in my, in my opinion. But at least they got rid of the coach, and, the, and now there's a little bit more opportunity for growth. And it's funny how, as soon as Woodcroft gets in, he brings up all these guys from the AHL. Benson's playing more, McLeod's got more of a role, Nemo Line and Lagason, and they rip off five wins, and and they compete with the top teams. I mean, he, he's got he's got a system, uh, and he's all about giving more opportunity, which is great. Uh, he did have a little bit of history with Holland, so I'm not surprised that Holland did end up giving him an opportunity because he has had success. But I just can't get out of my mind that if the Oilers don't go very far in the playoffs, and as of right now, I would say just due to their goaltending, even though Miko's hot for a couple of games, um, unless they do some of the goaltending and they improve defensively as well, I feel like they're still not they're not good enough. They can't compete with these top teams. 
Colorado and St. Louis are just going to run right through them. Um, I feel like they'll probably keep Woodcroft in, in the organization. They'll probably just put him back in the HL. But I really, it really seems like a no-brainer move. And really, Ken Holland's last stand, last move, is to bring in Mike Babcock to save his save his job next season. And the reason why I think that is just look at what Daryl Sutter's doing to Calgary. And Daryl Sutter's an old school blue collared yeah. coach. And look how well Calgary's doing. And Ken Holland can look down in Calgary and say, you know what? If Daryl Sutter can do that to Calgary, I know Mike Babcock. I Ken Holland just he lives, he's still stuck in the 90s, the late 90s, early 2000s. He's he always talks about Chris Chelios, which just blows my mind. I can see him just envisioning, you know what? I've won with Babcock before. If Daryl Sutter can do it, Mike Bab can Mike Babcock can do it. So that's his next play if the Oilers don't go real far in the playoffs. So I like Woodcroft. I like the fact he's given the young players opportunities. I really hope the Oilers do well here. But I think ultimately, they're, as of right now, they're going to fall short and he's probably going to get sent down and we're going to see Mike Babcock in Edmonton. That's my prediction right now. Yeah, I, I hope you're wrong. I think yeah, you, I think you hope you're wrong as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. Um, I you, you know that line, that line of thought never never crossed my mind until now, but it uh, completely makes sense. Yeah. Um, and and the and the Sutter thing is is what would make it make sense, right? I mean, he is mm. you know he's watching Sutter have some success uh, with the yeah. team that. I think if you put the rosters side by side at the beginning of the season, you would have taken the Oilers roster, uh, you know, and, and if you say otherwise, I think you're lying, right? Like, you know, yeah. I mean, everybody thought the Oilers would do better than Calgary, um, but, you know, Sutter's turned them around. Uh, okay, I, I've got, um, I don't want to sit and talk too much about this Babcock thing because that would... Uh, Probably ruin my <laughs> well, night. Holland doesn't have another play. No, like he after, doesn't have another play. What, what else and, is he going to do? Yeah. If they go out, if they bow out, he's got he's got to blame himself. He already fired the coach. So what else is he going to do? It would he's be gonna, a shame if they did that to Woodcroft. It would be a real shame. Um, Bob Bobby Nix Nicholson yeah. is all Team Canada. Everything he'll sign off on it for sure. Yeah, I could see it. Um. All right, we've got um we've got some uh, people uh, some chatter Facebook YouTube uh, Twitch. Uh, let's see here. Um, we've got, uh, Shannon says, uh, on Facebook, Matson will turn Bush around. I believe he's going to be a very reliable D man on this team. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, yeah, I think, I mean, we talked about that. We'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. I mean, we can't expect him to be, you know, uh, stellar D man. He's going to always be an offensive guy. Um, right. Yeah. Having him and Tyson Berry on the same team is just redundant. Too. It, it, it never even got one hundred. That was stupid. It was. It was maybe one of the dumbest signings. I mean, and there's been a couple, but that, yeah. <laughs> that one, that one, one hundred percent. Neil on YouTube says, uh, "Can Malone replace Archibald?" Uh, I'm going to answer this quick, and then I'll get your opinion. Uh, it's one game, right? I think you know a guy like Malone comes in one game. He's going to have. Um, a little bit of uh, grit to him, um, you know, to stay in the lineup. I, I'd, Archibald, uh, love him or hate him, the guy hits like a tank. Um, oh. And um, you know, in the in the playoffs, a uh, guy like that would be good. We'll see what happens. Um, I thought Malone played 
what you expect of him to play a guy that's been called up and he hasn't played in the NHL for what a couple of years now I think yeah. um I mean he's you know and and look those guys that play in the AHL like that like they're tough as nails right like that's a tough league right yeah yeah he hasn't scored since 2015 yeah yeah <laughs> yeah I mean it's it's a tough league so um uh, Rick asks the same thing what you think of Malone I thought I think he deserves a another game he played well enough to get another game in for sure yeah i will i will say when archie archibald does come back and i don't know what's going on there because i haven't really been following but um i don't see any point zach Cassian been on this team oh. especially under what uh, especially under woodcroft and manson archibald comes back. <laughs> I mean, did you see any point on cassian being on the team earlier this season not really no. <laughs> okay no. yeah no um yeah that's but all uh, the more, but that's all the more, all the more reason. reason yeah in fact yeah. Cassian's an interesting case because it's one of those when he does come back from injury, you know, like, what do you do? Like, you, you know, you've, that's one of those contracts where you, where you have to put him in. Uh, and he's also, I'm, I'm certain he's a well-liked player on the team. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I mean, I've got yeah. nothing to say otherwise. But and that and that makes a difference too. Uh, Shannon says, uh, "What's your thoughts on tourists with the team?" And Archibald's in quarantine right now. I think Archibald hated Tip. Hope he gets his ass back here. Yeah. Um, Archibald, you, Archibald's the guy you want in the playoffs. Yeah, he he definitely. I I was t- telling this story last uh, last show. The biggest hit I've ever been witness to live was yeah. Archibald. And I actually didn't realize it was Archibald until after, but yeah. I I was sitting down uh, ice level. It was the it was the same game. Calgary? Where, uh, no, it was Philadelphia and Edmonton, and okay. uh, it was the same game where McDavid had like four Philadelphia players tri- hanging off of him, and he still scored All the right. goal. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was uh, I was sitting uh, about four rows up uh, behind the penalty boxes, just off off a little bit by the blue line. Actually, right on the blue line, like I could see the the uh, video. Normally, I hate sitting there, but for that particular game, it turned out to be a good thing. Uh, and uh, and literally, like I thought the uh, I thought the the boards were going to fall over. That's how hard he hit the player, and it just like reverberated throughout that whole side of the of the arena. And I didn't even realize until he was skating away. I'm like, holy shit. Like that was Archibald. Like that guy's like, he's two feet tall. He's a 170 pound wrecking ball. (laughs) That's what he is. Yeah. He is. Yeah. He's a tank. He's a tank. Yeah. Um, Neil says Archibald refuses to, uh, to get vaccinated. I, I'm, I'm going to suggest, I mean, I think that's a big deal, but I, I do think that, um, come playoff time, that's not going to matter a lot if everything no. can conti- carries on the way it has. Um, right. We'll see what uh, we'll see what happens there. All right, let's um, let's switch gears. I mean, we you know it's hard. we talked a little bit about the game. There's not much you know analysis in a game like tonight, oh. other than you know the Oilers came out, they played probably the right game. Koskinen played a good game, oh. I thought, and um, yeah. you know Chicago to me. This game only means something if you come out and have a similar outing in Chicago. Otherwise, it's, it was you know doesn't mean mean anything, right? You got to piece together wins, especially this time of year. Uh, let's talk about um, a couple of players. I'm sure you've been out. I, I assume to some nights games this year, have you? 
haven't been no. Oh, I watch it. I watch yeah, majority watch, of them. Yeah, yeah, I watch most of them. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, actually, I've got a couple players I want to talk to you about. Um, not okay. all of them Oilers related. Uh, I, I, by the way, I got uh, Moosehead season tickets, so I've been uh, out to most of their games. Nice. And actually, they're doing quite well. Yeah. And uh, gritty, gritty team. We'll talk about them sometime, maybe off air. But um, yeah, it's been fun. I, I'm enjoying the queue and and that. And of course, um, I'm going to try and get out to the Memorial Cup in St. John when it's out here. Oh, that'd so be it's, awesome. Yeah, it's not too far away. Uh, but switching gears, let's talk about Ty Tulio, of course, okay. and yeah. uh, Matvey Petrov, mm-hmm. uh, fifth and sixth round picks. Potentially the best fifth and sixth round picks the Oilers have had in a very, very, very long time. And coincidentally in the same year. Uh, let's start first with um, Tulio. I mean, is, is, this, is this kid for real, for one? And can, do you think, you know, I mean, he's picked in the fifth round for a reason, right? Um, is that reason still valid or was it just, you know, timing. I mean, what's your thoughts on him? I love Julio. Yeah, <laughs> I, he was he was one of my guys even before the draft. Um, he was he was picked a little bit lower, and to be fair, there were a lot of OHLers that went lower. Yeah. It was a weird year where a lot of you know random U.S. high school players were being picked just because the team owned their rights longer. Right, that would that was a big thing uh, for Ty. There was not because it, it's going to be the same throughout his career. Is you know, he's considered a little bit smaller and, and not the, the fastest guy. Um, but I, I'm a huge fan of him. My comp on, on draft day was Brendan Gallagher. I watched some of the Oshawa game tonight. Uh, Tulio scored again. Ty got, uh, it's actually his ninth goal in, nine, in the last nine games. Nice. He scored in the first period. Um, just kind of banging away in front of that. He's got such quick hands. He is, I mean, he's a Gallagher clone. He really, he really is. His numbers were pretty much exact uh, in his draft year. Uh, same size, right hand shot. He is just, he is such a pain in the ass to play against. He's got a strong work ethic. He's he's not afraid to get physical. Um, I've spoken to to people around him recently, and uh, I mean his body fat. He's like six percent, seven percent body fat. Like he's he's a bit of a gym rat. He's just, I mean, he has all the tools. He's got that determination, but he's also got that elite skill he can hang his hat on, and that's his shot, right? He's got a, a, an unbelievable shot, and that's one thing that Edmonton is really, really lacking, although Hyman and Derek Ryan seem to have pretty decent shots. But before them, there wasn't really anybody up front that you would consider that had a big shot. Yeah. But now that Lavois is in, in the organization, the Oilers, I don't know what in God's name, what they were doing with Maximoff. Just to- talk about ruining a prospect or not giving him an opportunity. But we won't go there. But uh, Savoy is is another prospect. Great shot. Uh, Tulio and, and Petrov, who we'll get to as well, he can also really rip the puck. Uh, so I think, yeah, I think he's he's he, he plays power play. He plays penalty kill. He can do everything. He's a complete player. He's not afraid. He, he'll hit bigger guys. He'll fight. He'll stick up for his teammates. And he's got that elite, uh, that elite skill and and hockey sense, really. So yeah. I think he's going to be a great fit for the Oilers eventually. You know, he might be another guy like Holloway that plays a year in the in the AHL, whatever. First, 
but I think fans are going to love and appreciate his game because he's uh, he brings it every night and he gets under the opponent's skins big time. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. I and um, yeah, I've I've only had the chance to watch him uh, the one time the other night. Um, CHL player of the play or a game of the week. Oh yeah, there um, when they're playing um, uh, the front knacks. Hey, is uh, Sport Major still around? Is he still writing for them? You talked to him. I couldn't tell. I couldn't tell you. Yeah, no. I think he was writing for the front next for a while. Um, yeah, I mean, because he would—he uh, probably is still around. I'm—I'm I'm guessing. I haven't um, interacted with him much. Of course, uh, Caps when the Capitals are uh, in Stanley Cup contention, you hear more from him than than otherwise. But um, Marcus, yeah, you're talking. Marcus, yeah, yeah, Marcus, right? yeah, 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 yeah. Um, all right, let's. Uh, so the guy that Tulio's chasing in the points race. Happens to be Matt Vay Petrov. Yeah. So yeah, Tulio was the year before Petrov. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, I think they're pretty much the same. Yeah, I think Petrov was. Uh, yeah, they uh, Petrov's one point uh, more than Tulio. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, Petrov. I mean, <laughs> well, there's two things. Well, first of all, Edmonton has an awful, absolutely awful history with Russians, yeah. Russian prospects, <laughs> like. I really want to go on and on and on, and I know we're <laughs> yeah, yeah. The whole Maximoff thing drives me crazy because they never gave him an opportunity in Bakersfield. He had more. He had the most points in junior since McDavid, and they never put him in the top six or power play in the AHL. Okay, and they fine, invested they money in him, right? Like they were sending yeah. skating coaches. They were doing like they invested time and energy into him, and they never gave him the opportunity. I agree. I never yeah. understood that. And then there was COVID, and they sent a lot of their prospects overseas. They didn't send him to like September and they sent him to uh, Siska and they already had a full roster. So he only played eight minutes a game. Like, what are you doing there? And then he went down to the, the VHL and he lit it up there. He was like the best player. You can ask Spencer. He was like the best player in that league. So then finally, I don't know what happened again with COVID. And now it's training camp and he comes back. He's experienced. He's already played in the AHL. He's one of your highest scoring prospects in the past year. I would assume he's going to be top line, top six for sure in the AHL. No, we're going to send him to the ECHL over guys I guys I've never even heard of. Uh, some guy named Mateo or Matero makes makes the team. Like that just blows my mind. And then Sam Rukov gets called up once, and then he's thrown in the AHL and see you later. He's probably never going to get called again. So I, I am a little leery when it comes to these Russian prospects. But having said that, just based on a skill set alone, Petrov is, I mean, he's, I, I think the, the word you would, you would probably use for him is dynamic. He's very dynamic. He has great puck skills and he has a terrific shot and just that offensive skill and IQ. Like he's, he, he's a natural scorer. I think one of the knocks on him was his speed, but his, I mean, his, his speed is completely fine. He's got strong acceleration in that. He's a little deceptive. Uh, but uh, his 200-foot game needs work defensively. Typical Russian style. He's, he's not the most reliable in his own end. But he's got that offensive upside that is is definitely intriguing for sure. I mean, he, um, you know, I've, I've watched, uh, he's had a couple of uh, hat tricks uh, this year. And, and, uh, he's, he's got a, a pretty decent shot too. And, and, uh, yeah. like I, yeah. like, and, and not just goal scoring, but he's made some, some beauty plays and some sort of subtle type of plays, right? Like the, you know, the, yeah. you know, the, just the, you know, the nice little dump in at the right 
possible time or whatever, like just good hockey sense. Um, right. the, you know, the stuff that I've watched, you did, you put out, um, uh, a, uh, highlight video of him just recently. Yeah. And I thought it was great. I mean, I've, I've been watching him for a while. Eric Friesen did an article on him, uh, for heavy hockey, uh, that I mm-hmm. thought was really good. And, and, uh, and so I've been, I've been kind of really interested in this player. Do, um, and I, and unfortunately I haven't been watching the standings, um, in the OHL. Do, uh, do either of them have, um, have a chance, uh, like is North Bay or Oshawa, or either team going anywhere this year? Yeah. Oshawa's about middle of the pack. Yeah. Um, they'll definitely make the playoffs for sure. Um, I thought they'd probably, I, I know they were thinking about going all in and, and, and making a lot of, uh, big moves to try and make a push, but. It was tough with COVID for so long that they didn't know what was going on and the league was going to be shut down or what. Um, but, I mean, one thing you should note, too, I guess with Petrov, he does play with one of the best players in the OHL, I think, right now is Brandon Coe. Brandon Coe is like a six foot six centerman. Um, a lot of those highlights you'll notice that I put out for Petrov, he's always with Coe. So yeah. it's kind of a one-two punch. So a lot of times you, that can be misleading a little bit. Um because those two really do feed off each other. Cole really is, he really is a dominant player in the OHL. But North Bay's up there. They're one of the top teams uh, in their conference for a bit. I do have their, I do have the, um, the, the standings as of right now. And they're, they're third in the conference. Although they've played a, a few more games than Kingston. So they're, yeah, so they're top, they're top four. And, and Oshawa is, is fifth right now in the same conference. So they'll both make, make the playoffs for sure. And who knows, they may eventually meet each other, those two teams. Yeah. But North Bay's been, they've been garbage for so many years. This is the first year. And and you should know too, like Petrov was highly, highly regard, regarded coming the OHL. Like he was the first overall pick in the entry, in or, the, or, um, the import draft. Import right? draft yeah. yeah. So there's, there was a lot of hype around him. For, so this isn't just some, no name guy that's just having a big season. He is, uh, you know, he, he lit it up in Russia before coming over. So he's got the scoring pedigree, uh, but it remains, remains to be seen how that translates to the NHL. Obviously he's got a round out of his game, but yeah, they're both, both of them are very intriguing prospects. I think they have a legitimate shot of, you know, making the others one day, Yeah, which is great value for where they were drafted. Yeah. I mean, we've had some, uh, some decent players uh, in the system. Uh, you know, in recent years, you know, Holloway, obviously we're waiting on, um, uh-huh. and, uh, you know, I mean, Oilers fans want to rush him in. I, I think he's still a little ways away, but, but, uh, I mean, he didn't play the whole season. He comes back and a lot of guys yeah. calling for him to be called up right away, uh, which I thought was kind of funny. Um, and, and you know what, uh, the Oilers have been doing all right with the guys that uh, Woodcroft's uh, putting in the lineup, right? And finally, Benson's yeah. getting a bit of a chance. And I love, uh, I, I actually, that's a guy I'd like your thought on. I know you didn't um, maybe get to watch him as much as uh, some guys in the East. Uh, Benson, of course, growing up uh, in the dub. Uh, right. But I, I know we did talk about him uh, way back. Here's a guy that, um, you know, was, uh, I, I wouldn't have called him a gritty player ever. Uh, but he's got he's playing with a little bit of grit. He's changed his style of of play. Uh, you know, from the amount that you've ha- had a chance to see him. I mean, what what are your thoughts? I mean, is this a guy that can stick? 
Uh, well, I followed him a lot, like last all the years leading up. Yeah, really. yeah. Um, in the HL, he was gritty for sure, especially on the boards. He he was a chippy player. Um, but I mean, and I used to always do my end of year assessments, and we did it kind of like a mid year assessment as well of all the prospects. I mean, I got to be honest, I, I was never really high on Benson. Um, I, I I feel bad because the injuries I think really kind of took a toll in, yeah. on him and. In terms of his development, and you can tell whether people want to admit it or not, and it's funny people try and defend it. He's clearly not a great skater. Like it's no, he's awful. Anybody <laughs> yeah, can yeah. see that. Yeah. So, I mean, and that's one of the things I love about Twitter. You can put out an argument about anything. Somebody can't score, for example, and those or, or him, for example, he has he can't score in the NHL. He scores one goal, and then it's like, see. Oh, what do you have to say now? Like it's it's like everything you've mentioned up to that point. It means nothing at this exact moment. Yeah. Well, with him, the speed is an issue, and the, the and it's because he's not going to be able to separate or generate a lot because he's he's not going to break away from anybody, right? He um, you'll notice the plays he does make. He's typically standing still. He doesn't make a lot of plays off the rush. It's along the boards or in a stationary position, he has great vision and, and he can, and passing ability, but it's, you know, it, in the NHL game, he's just ultimately, he's not going to be able to create enough offense to be a top six player. So could he carve out a role in a bottom six, carve out a career in a bottom six role, perhaps? Um, I think he's changed I mean. his game enough that there's a chance. Yeah, like, I mean, yeah. And, and he definitely deserves the opportunity to prove people like myself wrong. Absolutely. Give him all the opportunity in the world. Yeah. I think ultimately he's a fringe NHLer. I, I, I was a little I, bit surprised that they that. brought him back, but well, time will tell. I, I like betting against people like that and them proving me wrong. That's one of the most satisfying things, especially just evaluating product or prospects in general. So I, I hope he does well, but to answer your question, yeah, I don't. I don't think he's going to be there long term. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's obviously the um, just the fact that he's from Edmonton, right? Yeah. Holds, holds a little bit of sway with uh, with the fans, and um, yeah, it'd be a good news story, I think, for him and and for the for the team if he does, um, you know, as you say, prove you wrong and and does something about it. He's had he's um, I think the the games that he's stepped in, he's he's done what's asked of him, and sure. uh, you know, you got to respect that. And that's what this team needs. I mean, we're you know, um, I don't get it, but uh, again, leading the league in in man games lost or right up there. Yeah. Right? Like, you know, I mean, there's something to be said about that to still be uh, nearing a playoff position and, um, you know, be way up on the man games lost uh, piece. Obviously, COVID didn't help and all mm. those things. Whereas, you know, a team like Calgary, uh, they're leading the league in no losses to injury. Like they haven't had a major injury all season other than maybe Shillington's uh, probably down for at least a couple of games. I actually haven't followed up on what, um, I don't know if you saw that the, uh, he went head first, almost head first into the boards the other night. I only watched it once cause I couldn't watch it again. It looked pretty bad, but he might I be didn't realize, for a bit. I didn't realize he was on the team. Oh yeah. He yeah. Was, he was yeah, still there. Uh, yeah. And it, well, he's been playing well for them. He's been a good, um, for Calgary, you know, and um, yeah, so I mean, Sutter's changed that team around, uh, look which surprises the hell out of me. Uh, yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, there's something about his coaching style that, um, you know, is is 
is getting the best out of these players. I'll I'll, uh, I'll be a believer if um, oh so uh, on YouTube Neil says Shillington played tonight, which is amazing because I couldn't um, as I said I couldn't watch the replay uh, more than once. It was pretty brutal. Uh, I don't think it was a dirty play, but he got sort of tangled up with um, one of the Minnesota players and just got almost like. Sl- like a slingshot into the into the boards it was didn't look like he was going to be getting up so the fact that he's playing again anyway calgary uh so calgary and edmonton are on both ends of the man games lost spectrum and of course yeah. as soon as calgary had any covid cases they canceled all their games edmonton kind of like weathered through one or two main players out you know whenever uh-huh. They never really had to, until they canceled for everybody. Um, so I think that's, you know, there's something to be said about that. And guys like Benson need to come in. I think it makes a difference that you got a guy like Woodcroft who the players like, right? They'll play for, right? And um, and you got a system that, I, I you know, he, my thought on Tippett as I've, you know, developed it over time is um, is that he, you know, He's fine. He'd be a better coach without superstars. You know what I mean? Like he he's the kind of guy. Oh, yeah. yeah, like if you take Connor McDavid and and Leon Draisaitl out of the mix, he probably would have had more success. Well, um, but because he's got them, he feels this, you know, this and because of the way that he coaches always depending on the veterans and and that and the overutilization of those two players because there were no other real good veterans on the team to use right like that to me is yeah. is what is what happens like you know the fact that you got you know you're putting all your trust in cassian you know has to tell you devin yeah. shore yeah and devin and devin shore who's still by the way like you know i which i don't get and um anyway i mean i'm i'm done talking uh, about uh, can i touch on that for oh, a yeah yeah sure okay all right so Oh, where do I start with this? Um, I, it's funny. I listened to a Derek Ryan interview there uh, on the Oilers, and he talked about what the the difference is playing for Woodcroft and how their structure and how earlier in the season players didn't know where they were supposed to be on the ice. They didn't know what they were doing, right? And uh, I think that just kind of speaks to how disorganized Tippett was, like in in his over reliance on those two players, as you mentioned, and. To be honest, I don't think it would have made a difference because I think him, much like him in Holland, I think their their styles, their mentality is just outdated. Like, you know, to be a successful coach, and this kind of goes for, for anybody that's coached anything. I don't care if it's peewee hockey. I don't care if it's girls volleyball. I don't care if, it, you know, whatever it is. I, I've coached baseball for many years, soccer. There's certain coaching basics that that just translate at every single level things that coaches should absolutely if you want to be successful and win at any level any level there's just certain things you have to be good at and do and obviously one is to be prepared and quite often you know the orders look disorganized a lot of times they weren't prepared to play um they weren't ready to to go from the puck drop uh, be a motivator is obviously another thing key for a coach to get the best out of your team and to motivate them. And that's, I think he struggled there as well. Um, but he, 
I think, and this is probably one of my biggest pet peeves with him. I think you really need to be successful, a successful coach. You need to be honest about your roster, but you need to be able to put players in the best position to succeed. And too often, you would think after they lost the first playoffs, the first the first time when they went out in that first round, you would think he would have learned his lesson that, you know what, I can't just rely on Drysdale and McDavid this whole time because it didn't get me anywhere. So in order to be successful, you've got to build up the rest of your roster. You got to, You can't be a one-line team. Like that's, that's not going to work. Just ask, you know, Colorado how that works. It, it, you can't be a one-line team. You have to be a balanced team to be successful. So then last year, the same thing happens and he's over relying on, you know, Nurse and Barry on his top pair. He's not playing anybody else. He's benching guys throughout the year. Everybody's in and out of his doghouse. He wasn't putting players in a position to succeed. Nobody had any confidence going in except for Dry Suttle and McDavid and, and probably Nurse. That's it. So he, he just, it, it's, such an, it's such an outdated style. It's not progressive thinking at all. And it drives me nuts. And Holland's the exact same way on how he's building his roster and making all these stupid moves, signing Barry and whatever. But the thing with Woodcroft is, I mean, he's, he's implemented a structure. He understands that like it's the bottom six hasn't been terrible all these years. It's the utilization of those bottom six forwards is what's really been the problem. They don't, they can't identify what they need to do, what their roles are. There's no real structure in place. What Woodcroft's done is come in, Assigned everybody a role. I love how he played the power play too. Right off the bat there, he gave them more opportunity. Yep. He sat dry saddled McDavid for a while there, the first game or second game. Um, so they were fresh in the third and gave other guys opportunities like McLeod to build your confidence. If they're going to do anything in the playoffs and go far, Derek Ryan's got to come through. Ryan McLeod's got to come through. Guys like that are going to be the difference, man. Warren Fogle. Those guys are going to be the difference makers. And you can see it year after. Just look at the success the Oilers had. Fernando Pisani. Yep. What line did he play on when they were successful, in the, like in the regular season? Ethan Morrow. You need those role players. They got to they gotta contribute for you to be a successful team. But you can't, you can't just expect them to turn it on in the playoffs. You can't give them you know, just penalty killing responsibilities all year and then come playoff time, well, we need you to score. We have no depth scoring. You've got to build them up, build their confidence up, get your team feeling good about themselves, team structure, everybody's feeling good. So when you go into the playoffs, you don't have one or two hot guys. There's no question marks. Am I going to be playing tonight? Am I not? How much am I going to be playing? Everybody understands their role. Everybody understands the plan, the structure, and you kind of move forward with that. And I, I think... That's the exciting thing with with Woodcroft, what he brings to the team, um, and that's what Tippett really struggled. I still don't think at the end of the day they have enough talent as we talked about yet. I think they need more defensive help, and and I just, I mean, I don't trust the goaltending. They're still ranked, I think, Koskinen's fortieth in save percentage, and Mike Smith is fifty first. That's just not going to get it done, and that's Ken Holland's fault. Again, he should know. He should have known that he needs to address the goaltending. And there's been so many goalies traded or signed in the last three years when he's been there. And he hasn't been able to pull the trigger trigger on one. And you're getting paid $5 million a year. That's absolutely unacceptable. That's a complete fail from him. Yeah. And, and, you know, I mean, I've talked about this on the show. 
yeah, if you're expecting, and uh, not you specifically, but for any fans out there expecting a big haul in trade, uh, just go check out his trade history. It doesn't happen, yeah. right? Like, it's not... It's well, not he did in- trade for Chris Chelios once. Yeah, that's right. be the first to tell you that. That's right, yeah. I mean, he's he just doesn't have a, you know, that's... Um, it's just not his, uh, not his mo, and and so, uh, and he said it earlier, and I and I have no reason not to believe him that he's not going to trade a pick, you know, for, for anything. I mean, it and and I, you know, part of me gets that, but then the other part of me is you either you're either in or you're not, right? Like you're either you're either going for it or you're not. And um, one of the concerns I have right now is exactly what we're talking about. Um, you know, is uh, you know the um the fact that uh Koskinen's played two great games back to back you know i see the yeah. like i see the hamster rolling in holland's brain right now saying well i've got skinner waiting in the in the wings right and yeah. and um maybe i don't need to trade for a goalie yeah. uh, but we can't trust that right like we've seen enough of koskinen to know He's not going to carry you four yeah. rounds of playoffs. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like this is, um, you know, he goes through these ups and downs, and yeah, we're not going to get four rounds with him. No. So it's 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 a scary proposition for me. Like it was like the whole t- it was the whole Tippett thing too, right? Like I, you know, Tippett started to do well. He had a couple games in a row, and I thought, oh, that's great. We're going to have Tippett till the end of the season because that's yeah. the way Holland thinks, right? Like he, you know. He, you know, you get on a bit of a roll and he doesn't see historically what's, what's actually happening, right? You know, sometimes mm-hmm. you can get on a bit of a puck luck roll that doesn't necessarily, like tonight, I, like I thought Koskinen played a good game, but at the same time, there were opportunities that Philly missed, like a good yeah. half dozen of them. The Carolina, Tampa Bay, you know, those guys aren't going to miss that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and part of that is playing down to their their level too. I think. Too. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, point taken there. Yeah. Um, so. Well, what, what does it say about Holland though when he wanted to re-sign Tippett? Like he was so close to just re-signing him, and then he ends up firing him, and and he's all all about oh letting these these players percolate and over over marinate or whatever he, that stupid terminology he was using before. Well, then Woodcroft does completely the opposite of what Holland believes in and brings up all these young guys from, from the HL and proves that, you know, his bullshit philosophy doesn't mean anything because <laughs> yeah, he, yeah. because Woodcroft can make it happen. And, but Holland still believed in Tippett and all oh, changing a coach isn't going to do anything. Look at the difference. Just look at Huge. the Oilers now. Even Derek Ryan said we're like a completely different team now than we were before, you know, systematically, structurally. So all those people that always say, oh, if firing, why would you fire a coach? And, you know, you just, again, there's certain basics that a coach has to have. And, and, and Tippett is old school and just doesn't, he hasn't adapted and adjusted. He's not a progressive thinker. Neither is Ken Holland. So luckily they've got Woodcroft and, and so far so good. But ultimately, oh God, this could go still. Holland could just, like I said, if if Holland doesn't make a move for a goalie and then that's what ends up costing them, then that gives them an excuse to get rid of Woodcroft and bring back Mike Babcock. It's just going to get worse. Like it's just, oh, fuck, I just, I don't know why I'm getting worked up because I took a step away from this. But <laughs> yeah, the yeah. Oilers are so frustrating. Yeah. The whole management structure, everything is frustrating with that team. 
My God. Yeah, well, I mean, that makes sense why you took a break. That's why I'm uh, not on is. Twitter. I would be Mr. Negative for the whole year. <laughs> yeah, no, I, you know what? I mean, I'm 100% on board with that. I mean, it is, um, it, the Woodcroft system so far is, is counter to what Holland has espoused going forward, uh, and he's had success. Uh, we've seen it, you know, slight changes in the system play from a from a coach that hasn't really even had any practices with the team yet. Uh, yeah. You know, just you know, basics that Tippett didn't seem to understand. I think what was telling for me was um, <laughs> Neil on YouTube says we won tonight, right? <laughs> yeah, we did. We did win. We're happy I we know. won. By the way, we We're are sober. happy we won. Um, the, we're, uh, we're pro Woodcroft here. Pro we are Woodcroft. pro Woodcroft. In fact, you know, like I do like the direction the team's headed. You know, if they make you know the changes that we're talking about. Um, yeah. What was where was my train of thought? Now that I I saw that comment and it kind of got me off. Um, Sorry. No, that's all right. That's all right. I um. Oh yeah. So I think you brought up something that's kind of interesting to me, which is we had that interview with uh, Robbie Shrimp. It's about a week ago, and I haven't released it on podcast yet because it, you know, it wasn't game related. But I'm going to release that probably this week uh, okay. for everybody to listen to. And and so for those of you watching right now, you can. We had Robbie Shrimp on the Straight Off the Pipe podcast with Mike Dursa. Uh, it was interesting to talk to him because he, here's a guy that uh, well, you saw him when he played in junior in London, you know, and and was an incredible offensive talent. But he was, yep. it was, he was before his time, right? He was Trevor Zegris before Trevor Zegris was in the league, right? Like he, you know, he was doing these plays, um, you know, and, and uh, doing lacrosse style goals and, and fooling around with yeah. the puck long before anybody else was. Uh, and we talked to him about doing like this. this. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. He would do like the helicopter. He would pick it up and do like a, a helicopter all the way around and scoring. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That was unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. He was he was he was outstanding. And um and uh, you know, I talk I was asking him, I, I can't re even remember if it was on on air or off, but like the the way the league is changing, right? Uh -huh. And you know, talking about these guys, the Zegris and and um you know, all all these new players that are in the league today that really i think are exciting to watch um but you need you need new coaching you need new yeah. coaching to go with that and so i think while woodcroft comes from sort of old school coaching with uh, mcclellan i think he started to make a name for his, like of his own and, and bring up his own style and i think he's I mean, he's not a kid, but I think he's young enough. <laughs> he looks young. Yeah, he looks, he looks young. Than, I think he he's looks younger than Bouchard. 40, I think he's forty. <laughs> he does look younger than Bouchard. I think he's yeah. forty-five or forty-six, if I'm not mm -hmm. not mistaken. I'm going to look it up while I'm talking about it. But but I think that he's young enough that he's forty-five. There we go. Uh, that he can still adapt to the way the league is played now. Right. And, yes. uh, and that's, and absolutely. I, and I hope you're wrong about Babcock, but the, you know, a guy like, uh, Woodcroft on the team is, um, is the kind of guy that, um, you know, I think can adapt to the way the league is played. Uh, back to, uh, YouTube. We've got, um, our friends over at the Wildcast podcast are watching in on YouTube. That's, um, 
they're uh, the Moncton Wildcats, um, which, by the way, uh, that was um, talking about junior hockey. It was at uh, Moncton versus Halifax game the other night in oh, here yeah. in Halifax. Really gritty, like the kind of junior game you love to watch. And Moncton's oh, yeah. got um, Moncton's got a pretty uh, big team. Uh, fun to watch. Um, they're not. Um, they started out really well. Uh, and they've t- trailed off a little bit, but um, anyway, our guys from the Wildcast podcast, if you if you got a chance to listen to them, said if uh-huh. you had to choose a goalie for trade deadline, Holtby or Varlamov, those are the targets I see Oilers getting because it won't be Flurry. Yeah, it won't be Flurry. No, um, I haven't really been following Holtby much at all recently. I'd have to look at his stats and that, but I don't think he, he's had a lot of success in the playoffs. So I have to double check. But Varlamov is a guy that I've always kind of liked. He's always he's always been solid in the playoffs, from what I can recall. Um, he's got a lot of experience with Colorado and the Islanders. That would be a guy. And again, I'm not really sure what his numbers. I assume he's not having a bad year, but that would be a he, that would be a guy that I would seriously consider, just because it's again like Koskinen and Smith have really done nothing these last few years right you need a guy that's a steady hand that's been there for a while not only to um you know give the team confidence but also give you that um what am i looking for i don't know just just stability for somebody you know you can trust for four rounds like there's no there's no questions about it like he he's the man he's the horse and you just let him go, right? And I guess Holpe is probably still capable of that. Um, but you can't, like Koskinen, we're, we're not convinced he can go even two rounds, really. And we're not convinced Mike Smith can. They'll probably have to go like this with them. And that's just not ideal, right? You need somebody that has done it before, that proven proven track record, and continue moving forward. So I'd have to look both of those guys up. It's a great question. But, I mean, I wouldn't be opposed to Varlamov at all. Yeah, Varlamov was a name that I brought up um, a while back as a uh, potential target. Holtby's not somebody that I've really thought of, although he's um, he is considered you know quite high in terms of available goaltenders out there. But you know, age wise, I mean, he's you know thirty two ish. Yeah, right. Um, decent though. I think uh, you know over nine hundred this year. Save percentage, definitely better pedigree than the guys we've got in net right now. I, you know, sure. I, I think. Look, I look at, uh, you know, not not a, t- well, maybe maybe their ton has been made, but look at a team like Calgary, you know, and the goaltending they're getting, how big of a difference it makes on your offensive game, yeah. right? Like it just, you know, <laughs> you got you can afford to put Evan Bouchard out more. If you're comfortable in your goaltending, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, people don't, I don't think they think about that, right? Like enough, right? Like they don't, they don't realize, I mean, you've played the game. I've played the game. If you've played the game and you've played the game with a good goaltender on your team and you've played the game with a bad goaltender and I'm a defenseman, so I know this, I play two Mm. different styles of game, Uh, a bad goaltender. I play the game to limit the amount of shots against the goalie right Right. which also limits my offensive capability not that i have a ton i'm not saying i do but (laughs) but you're you're a stay-at-home defense but they uh but you know you play that way 
Whereas if you have a, a you know a good goaltender, you know you can play a little bit more freewheeling uh, and yeah. go. And and we've seen that you know on games where Koskinen's you know playing a little bit better than than other games, or when you have even Mike Smith when he's on a hot game, you know the team scores more, right? Because yeah, you know you you start to trust the goalie early on, right? Yeah. And I think that adds to the tentative nature of this team coming out of the gates. Right, is they you know they don't trust what's and that's been happening now for years where you know that first shot or or first goal against, uh, but mm-hmm. it's just particularly bad this year. Well, in Varlamov, like last year, I'm just looking at his stats. He, had, I mean, he had 14, 14 games he played. He had a nine twenty nine save percentage. Yeah, in the playoffs for the Islanders, I only played. We had some stellar games there, and then the year before, he played twenty games, nine fourteen save percentage in the playoffs. He's only thirty three. He's got a 914 safe percentage this year. That's well ahead of the two guys he had. We have a net now. So I think, uh, yeah, I, th- I don't know what his, what his salary is, but yeah, he would definitely be a guy I think you could put in and you could, you might get another Kudobin or Hudobin type uh, performance, right? A guy that's been there and kind of knows what he's doing, especially recently. Um, so yeah, that would definitely be a guy. Yeah, the challenge with... Um- uh, Varlamov, he's he is he's five million. So you've got to give like Koskinen's got to go the other way, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like you can't fit him under the cap. Uh, and and folks, you know anybody listening, like if you're hoping Holland's going to make a move on a goalie right away, like it's just not going to happen. There's no cap space to do it. Like he's got to well, wait. He's got to wait to the deadline. Like the, unless if he gets rid of Koskinen. Yeah. Right, like well, it's just pro, like, it's no. prorated though, right? Yeah, it is prorated, but it's, it's still, not the full five. Yeah, 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 yeah. it's not the full five, but right. uh, you know that's why that's why trades are made at the deadline, though, right? Like a lot of it yeah. has to do with how the cap space works, mm-hmm. um, and so you know you've got um, Varlamov; he's got a modified no trade. I don't know what the deal is on that, but he's got to want to come to Edmonton uh, well, with that, right? And yeah. so you know, isn't Soroka, isn't Sorokin the guy there now? Sorokin's the guy, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I mean so- he might want it want out, but at the same time I, I got you gotta think that the Islanders well, I mean, mind you, they'd be happy to get out of that five mil because um Koskinen's oh. Koskinen's only got the uh this year left, right? And then he's um right. a UFA. Yeah. So so that oh. might be decent for them. Um Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I mean it might make sense. Uh Holtby is um he's got yeah. almost no cap hit. He's two million cap hit like for the season. Oh yeah. Yeah. And um I'm just trying to see uh let's just look at the stars here. Uh go to um by the way, I I every all the stats that I get in terms of um salary, everything is from our guy uh Hart over at uh, Puckpedia who's put a great website together. Uh, so Holtby's two million UFA next year. Uh, no conditions on his contract. So if um, Dallas wants to trade him to to Edmonton, then there's no no uh, no problem there. Of course, um, you know he look uh, he looks like he's been in steady decline for the last several years. Yeah, I mean he, he's not. He wouldn't be bad, and given the fact that at least you could take him with Varlamov, you. Um, you have to take him, right? Like you have to take him for yeah. another year, right? With Holpe, you take him, and um, and then next year, if you know, if you're confident enough, you can go and sign whoever you you know whoever you want, right? Run run Varlamov and Skinner next year. Yeah, 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's possible. I, and Smith, who knows, maybe retire, maybe he's got some deal for a uh, front office job or something, but move into Tippett's house. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think we'll see better out of Koskinen though, with the system Woodcroft's put in place. And I think just with Tippett gone, because I think he knew that Mike Smith was his guy, right? Yeah. Like Tippett gave Mike Smith such a, a massive amount of rope. I, d- I don't think it was any secret. If we knew that Tippett was in love with Mike Smith, then I think obviously all the players know too. And of course they back and support Koskinen, but I think Koskinen feels like he's kind of got a little new lease on life and he's trying to win over the coaching staff and prove that, you know, now that Smith's, Smith's BFF is gone as coach, you know, <laughs> yeah. I can actually, you know, carry it, carry it here in the crease. But again, it's, it, it, it's a, it's definitely a gamble to try and trust him to, to be the guy to get you through, especially with all those young guys on defense. Right. Um, one real quick thing. I would absolutely love to see a guy, a guy like, or specifically Josh Manson in Edmonton to play with his dad there on the, on the coaching staff. A, because it fills a void. He's such a tough, tough player to play against a guy you want in the playoffs. And of course his dad's there too. That would be great. Somehow get rid of Tyson Berry, but probably not going to happen, but I would love to see something like that. Yeah. I I mean, I'm curious about Barry and if the contract's movable or not, right? Like, you know, if, if there's teams out there that would want him. Yeah. I mean, you know, the NHL is full of guys like Holland right now, still, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's an old boys club. It is. And so, the whole league is. Yeah. So you got to figure there's somebody out there that thinks, you know, Barry's the cat's ass. Well, I mean, let's, and we're not here to, I'm not here to rip Tyson Barry. Yeah. Yeah. No, but I, but he is redundant, right? Like he's, he's redundant and and he costs too much. When you have Bouchard, yeah, they're pretty much the same skill sets, same weaknesses. It's kind of the same thing, right? So to have two of those guys on your right side, both playing in your, you know, your top four usually or whatever. I mean, it's just, it is, it's redundant. So obviously you're not going to move Bouchard. So Barry's the obvious guy who probably shouldn't have been signed in the first place. But he he would be the guy if you're looking to make a playoff run. Yeah. Somebody's got to go, and you want somebody like Josh Manson to come in and replace him, and then you might have a chance defensively. Yeah, yeah, and and defense is, is in my mind uh, is as important right now as um, as goaltending uh, for this team to go anywhere in the playoffs. They need they need one more stud D. You know, um, but I love, I love Nemo coming in and throwing his body around <laughs> like he is. He's, he's fearless. He's, he's just not the answer, right? Like, um, not, not but, yet anyways. Yeah. He, I mean, he might be down the road. He might yeah. be an ideal third pair guy, but, um, I will, I will say though, I think if, if everybody's healthy, this might be one of the most deepest forward groups in Edmonton. Would you say we've seen in a while, like with, and, and, and one real quick thing, sorry. Um, I've always been a, proponent i think i've probably mentioned many times on your show previously i've always said to run if you're going to be a playoff team you're going to win a stanley cup you've got to go make david dry nuge down the middle yeah. i've always been big on those three centers you've got three centers why wouldn't you use them um and i love the fact that woodcroft has been doing that so if you if you use those three guys as your centers and you've got guys like Derek ryan and fogel on your third line and archie comes back do, would you agree that this is one of the deepest from top to bottom four lines this is one of the deepest forwards groups they've had in 
in quite some time. I mean, we, I used the term underrated already once before <laughs> tonight, yeah. but uh, I would I I'd say it's underrated, and and for the sole fact that uh, this team has been without all of its top nine for most of the season, right? right. And so yeah, and and we're still in a playoff spot. Yeah. Right. And so and 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 we had Tippett for a good portion of that. Um, you know, who I think, you know, overutilized McDavid and Dreisaitl, underutilized some of that uh and and everybody there wasn't a guy, an expert analyst in the league that didn't say this was the deepest forward grouping we've had in years. Right? At the mm-hmm. beginning of the season. Everybody yeah. talked about it. So you know, where, <laughs> where, you know, where did it go? It, it had to be coaching, right? And, yeah. uh, and now we're seeing it, right? We're seeing, you know, guys like Ryan step up. Like people, I was excited about Ryan. I wasn't excited. I didn't think he was going into a second line role, but I was excited uh-huh. that he added a, a dynamic to the team that they haven't had in a little while, right? Like that he was, you know, he was a nice addition. I, I, Fogel, love him or hate him. I mean, I think, he hasn't been given the right chance this year. Like, I think he's, you know, he's a, he's a good defense or forward depth player, right? Like he's a guy that's played, you know, second, third line, uh, for his career so far. That's, that's done well in that role, uh, Uh when utilized properly. And I just don't think he's been utilized properly, but he's a guy that, you know, like tonight, if you have to, if you got injuries, you can send him up to the top line for a night, right. With a guy like McDavid. So yeah, hundred yeah, percent. I think this team, the forward depth is is underrated only because we haven't seen them used properly. Um, but at the same time, nobody's really pointed out other than you know the other day I you know put a tweet out about it was that this team has been injured or without players, man games lost most of the season. They're still making it happen a little bit, and they've got mm-hmm. shitty goaltending, right? Yeah. So yeah. You know, and and I would say they've got subpar defense, <laughs> right? Well, uh, yeah. For what it, it's it, it's amazing to me for Woodcroft to come in with no practice and and add Lagesson and Niemelainen and Broberg, run seven defensemen, and he's got Bouchard there, and 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 then to insert uh, Benson and give McLeod more opportunity, all of that. And he's seven in what seven and three as a coach now since yeah. he's done that. Like that's just that goes against everything that Holland believes in, right? Although Holland did acquire Derek Ryan, and I mean he acquired Fogel. I still would prefer to have uh, yeah, there. Yeah, I, but me too. <laughs> and, and so I mean, in, in saying that, we're saying this is one of the deepest groups forwards, but they're they're lacking defensively. I think they've kind of taken a step back there defensively on the on the defense. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, Woodcraft's done a fantastic job considering all that. So now what happens when uh, Keith's back now? Um, I don't know what's going on with, with, with Cuckoo or, or Chris Russell. I don't know if they're even part of the team or what's yeah, happening. Russell there, just but. got put on, uh, on long-term IR. Um, oh, did he? Okay. Knows? I mean, he's been, he's been out for a little bit. Uh, yeah. So who knows when I, like, I don't know. Something's obviously bugging him. Uh, I think it's recurring. 
Uh, and who is the other guy? Cuckoo. Cuckoo's been out for a while, and I, I don't know what happened to him, but he's been out for a while. I don't expect him back anytime soon. Maybe maybe yeah. he is. I don't even see him on the injury list. Cody Cece's played well from what I've seen. But yeah, if 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 you can if you can, you know, send Broberg down and maybe get rid of Lagason or send him back down and replace Lagason in the lineup with a guy like Josh Manson, for example, or maybe move on Tyson Berry. If 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 Woodcroft's able to do this seven and three and in ten with this group, and there were some tough games in there, then what could he do if you give him a, just a little bit more, right? Um so I mean We'll see what happens. Like you said, Holland, the thing is Holland dug this grave. Like it's his fault. He's traded away a lot of these draft picks. So you've already gone all in. You can't, now's not the time to say, well, I, I can't trade a draft pick now. I gotta <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. You've already dug that. So we're paying you big bucks or Edmonton's paying you big bucks. You got to go earn it. Tampa traded first round pick for Barclay Goudreau. And that worked out well. There's been other teams that have thrown first round picks. Like you said, you can't be half in and half out. Yeah. You're all in or you're not. Yeah, This is the team you've built. We're in, what, year three? You can't say, oh, I'm going to play the long game and I'm going to get a draft pick and, and I'm not going to trade my first round pick because I want to I want to build for the future. Well, you never play your future anyways. You don't believe in that. So, like, wh- what are you doing? Stop making excuses, earn your money, go out, make this team better, and let's see what they can really do because now they finally got a coach that's able to adapt and adjust, like you said. And, and the team seems to believe in that. So build on that momentum and, uh, and see where it goes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that. All right. I think we, uh, exhausted all avenues tonight. It's good to have you back. I mean, yeah, this is, great, uh, I don't normally sad. go over an hour, but, uh, it was worth it to chat with you. We went an hour and a half tonight. Wow. Um, that went by fast. It did go by fast. Uh, I'll get you back on if you're open to it. Yeah, I suspect sure. you are. Uh, yeah, it's good to have you back. Good to hear about uh, some of the players in the system. I did want to ask you about uh, Shane Wright and some of the prospects coming up. We'll do that another. Maybe we'll just do a prospect episode. The, the thing is, you know what? I love talking hockey, not just Oilers hockey, but hockey around you know juniors, whatever college, yeah. everything like that. But with this schedule, <laughs> it's like. It's yeah, next to impossible. Crazy. I've been looking for a time to release this Robbie Shrimp uh, podcast in an off night. Um, mm-hmm. But then I've been doing, you know, I end up doing post games. And so the post game gets released as a podcast during the off nights. And I've got no time to release the Robbie Shrimp podcast um, mm. on a day that, you know, people want to hear from Robbie Shrimp and not about, you know, what the Oilers did last night. Right. Right. And so, um, I, I'm kind of looking forward to a bit of a break from that uh, when the season's over and hopefully back to normal next season. Because uh, yeah. this um, this schedule is hard on me. I can only imagine what it's like for the players. I mean, that's oh, uh, no doubt. That's got to be incredible. Anyway, I appreciate uh, you coming back. I've got a little thing that I do now. Uh, it's been new this season. I let my guests have the last word. I ask that you stay on after I uh, do the the outro screen and, and I'll tell you when we're offline and, and just chat for a minute after, but, um, I give you the last word. I actually shut up. I turn my mic right off. And when you say good night, I hit the, uh, the good night, uh, end screen and, and the way we're done for the night. So, um, Sean, take it away. Last word. <laughs> All right. Um, well, I think I'll just recap. 
Leon Dreisaitl's most underrated player in the league. In my mind, he's the number one player, number one best player in the NHL based on his uh, athletic lack of athleticism. Uh, he does more to get to that level than anybody else. And Evan Bouchard will be perfectly fine. Just take the bad with the good. There's going to be growing pains. All the great offensive defensemen like Carlson, John Carlson, Eric Carlson, all of them all have kind of had a similar path. And Dobson's doing the same thing. So he he's right on path. Don't go down that jolts path, please. Uh, just support him. Stick with him. And Woodcroft, I, I think he's the man. Let's hope that uh, the Oilers are successful here in the playoffs and Holland gives him a little bit more help because I think he is a heck of a coach. Uh, with that being said, I miss you all. Love you all. Go Oilers. Oilers life.